Hey, Zach here. I just wanted to jump in and let you know that we are officially a part of the TV Talk Network. For more information about the TV Talk Network, you can visit tvtalk.fm. And, of course, we are also a part of the Real Geeks Podcast Network. And more information can be found at reelgeeks.net. For the week of March 1st, 2019, this is Star Wars TV Talk, where we dive deep into all things Star Wars, as well as the latest news coming out of Lucasfilm. This week, we will be covering the news surrounding the possible wrap of Season 1 of The Mandalorian, the wrapping of Star Wars Episode 9. We're going to dive deep into a Twitter question regarding Hasbro sales in the UK. Then we continue our conversation on the latest episodes of Star Wars Resistance, and we wrap up the episode with some nice Obi-Wan news. And to help me with all of this is John... John, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. Enjoyed the last few. I, we got a lot to cover. It's been a while since we checked in on Resistance, so I think we got a lot of ground we got to <laughs> get through tonight. And other news, it, lots of fun stuff happening now. Yeah, it has been a while. That's mm. for sure. I, I've, I've, uh, I've missed your gorgeous voice there. <laughs> you are the first and only person who will ever, do, <laughs> ever describe my voice that way. But hey, you know what? I'll take it. Yeah, so we have... Some more news coming out of this Mandalorian stuff. Mm-hmm. So we have a picture that was posted via social media of, you know, the signed helmet and reporters had a great old time and season one may or may not have wrapped. You brought up <laughs> earlier that episode one may or may not have wrapped. We don't really have an official statement from anyone, right. not to deny reporting, but, you know, if they're saying what they're if what they're saying is true then we're into season 1. So John, what do you think of all this uh all the stuff that's happening? Like how soon are we getting this? Well, I don't think anyone can really say cuz even if they have wrapped, we don't know what their post-production schedule is like and we don't know even if the shows are in the can when Disney's going to decide it's most advantageous to launch because it's going to be kind of a crowded space. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on and we're ramping up to episode nine. So we don't exactly know when it's the most strategic time for them to launch. All we really know at this point is they're making a TV show. Uh, We know that production is underway or, you know, if they're moving at a really good clip and and just doing phenomenal work, maybe it has wrapped. All we really have is a, uh, a tweet without a whole lot of context uh, of a souvenir from the set. So, you know, yeah. that could just be camaraderie or maybe just someone who was involved in a handful of episodes. Maybe, you know, it was something they sent them off with. We don't, we don't really know if they've wrapped or not. Cause there is no official word. All we know is they're making a show and uh, it just really sounds like there's a lot of uh, good talent behind it and it's progressing without, you know, any drama. If we were hearing, right. you know, problems from the set and people leaving the project, that would be news. This is just, you know, this is what happens. You know, people, exactly. people have rap parties and people, you know, take souvenirs and that kind of stuff. You just, you don't know the context from a tweet. So I'm not reading into right. it. I mean, and so many people are visiting the set of this show. Like you right. have Elon Musk, you have uh, like all of the Marvel cinematic universe, just visiting the set and all <laughs> nonchalantly and everything. Uh, but he, here's kind of my take on this news. So we've been told early on, like from the very beginning, that this is going to be like Game of Thrones level 
television show as right. far as you know the budget and all that stuff. It's prestige TV, yes. And and so if that's the case, in my opinion, there's no way that the full season has wrapped. Yeah, the timing would be tricky because they were, as far as we know, still you know prepping sets and getting ready to do production right around New Year's, as far as I know. So that would be a, yeah. a pretty insane production schedule to get through a whole season. Um, Absolutely. You know, a lot of shows will do their principal photography in a week, but <laughs> that still is too tight of a timeline. If they were just going back to back to back to back and just continuous shooting the whole season, that's yep. still pretty phenomenal if they're through it. But you know, yeah. who knows we might, we might get word that, yeah, they just had a really clever way of telling mm. the story. Maybe because um, maybe it's a smaller story and takes place in a more kind of intimate setting. Maybe they were able to just shoot it like a movie, you know, and right, just, yeah. you know, keep everyone rolling the whole time. I'm not sure about that because, you know, they called in a lot of different directors. So you don't think that you would have the necessary ramp up of each director kind of coming in and setting the stage for their episode. If they were doing this, you know, kind of, um, yeah, they, they call it like block shooting, you know, like when you've got right. kind of multiple episodes, all kind of queued up to, to be filmed at once. So, uh, I don't think they're done personally. I, I think mm -hmm. that if they're making the show as great as we assume they're going to be making it, I think they're going to be taking their time. There's probably a lot of action set pieces that take a lot of, mm -hmm you know, inset time to do very careful choreographed, you know, production staging. So I don't, I don't think they're done. I just, I think they're knee deep in it. And someone took a, a tweet and ran with it, which right. is not unheard of. <laughs> That's kind of how it works these days. Right. Yeah. And we, uh, you know, kind of going back to this, you know, this prime television, especially if it's something that's at this production level, which we already know it's at a huge production level. Like they have full on sets. They, the equipment itself looks pretty insane. Mm -hmm. Um, then yeah, I mean, I think that they're just maybe a couple episodes in and took like a, like a mid season wrapping party, if anything, like, you know, kind of how they just do a little holiday. Then they come back in a couple months to get the ball rolling again. But you know, all that speculation. It totally could be, but it could just be since these directors are coming in, they're mm -hmm. kind of, you know, they, they bring their regime in, run their episode, and then they head off for their next project. So it mm -hmm. could just be very simply someone involved with the production finished their role on it. And, you right. know, there was some camaraderie there. That's, <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I don't see how you can be so definitive <laughs> and say oh, that yeah. it's wrapped. What we do know though, is that episode nine has wrapped. I mean, that, yeah, it is true. If, if it's from JJ Abrams, then we could probably take it to the bank. And, and here's the great thing. Yeah, exactly. Like you have JJ Abrams and I believe that Favreau would probably do something like this. Cause he's been, you know, he's been digitally, uh, you know, taking photos mm -hmm. and po post them on the Instagram and all this stuff that he's doing that, that keeps us in the loop at maybe not, we may not know what's going on, but like he's taking pictures of random droids and it was like, Hey, remember that droid from episode four? It's right here. <laughs> right. Um, and so I think that once again, you trust your sources. Um, if Abrams tweets or put something on Instagram that they've wrapped on episode nine, then yes, they probably wrapped on episode nine, which is amazing because that means for the next you know, eight to 10 months, they're just going to be doing a lot of post-production mm -hmm. that has me jazzed. Like they're doing something great with this film, I believe. Uh, yeah, uh, could be. I, I don't think that they've actually got as much post-production time as the other movies had. Right. Yeah. Uh, but last Jedi was in the can well ahead of release. So they didn't mm -hmm. even need as much time as they got. And in this case, you're building on a lot of the creative assets and, you know, design resources that have already been built up for the trilogy as a whole. So they are going to be able to move quick and they can be doing a lot of 
previs and even some, you know, post-production effects work while production's going on. So, uh, I'm sure Abrams has it well in hand if he needed more time. Uh, I think he probably would have made him coming back contingent mm-hmm. on getting the time he wanted. Like he already pushed back yeah. the timeline. So he was confident that he had everything he needed to deliver the right movie. And we got to assume that, yeah, that's still the case. Cause it doesn't seem like anyone's sweating it. Not that yeah, we're hearing about anyways. I've said this a lot mm-hmm. and I'm going to say it again. It is a good time to be a star Wars fan. Is it not? There's a lot going on. That's for sure. <laughs> um, and one of the things going on, uh, so we got a tweet from at Kenobi Darth, and he basically said that there is a lack of Star Wars merchandise in the UK. And looking into it, it seems that there's possibly a lack of Star Wars merchandise worldwide. Hmm. So I decided to do some digging. Um, and me being someone who teaches economics, I got a, <laughs> a whole lot of fun out of this stuff. So, okay. uh, the biggest thing is, so I went to uh, fortune.com and they're, you know, it's, uh, it is a news source that, uh, specializes in basically stuff that deals with business. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, uh, last year, so before the release of the last Jedi, so this is, uh, this is dated news. But um, Hasbro CEO claimed that they released their toys too soon before The Last Jedi. They released their toys in about September, but they did that for The Force Awakens, and I'm going to get into all these theories. Right. But this leads to a couple of things. So the biggest thing that affects every single market in the world is demand. And so with The Last Jedi toys being released in September 2017, you know the holiday season was slow for them. And and a lot of people are like, yes, but you know, you had the Force Awakens that did the same thing, so why would it be slow this time around? And one of my theories is that, well, Disney just hit off with Coco, Disney Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had Thor Ragnarok. Then you had Justice League. Then you had Spider Man Homecoming, Guardians of the Galaxy Two, Transformers, Power Rangers. All these had big, uh, large holiday releases, which could possibly lead to a uh, a decrease in demand for Star Wars toys. Sure. And the way that affects Europe is that. Europe is already a smaller market for Hasbro. And with Hasbro having, you know, the biggest contract for Star Wars merchandise, they may look at Europe and say, you know, we kind of took a loss here. We were down yeah. 2% in scale a time. Back a little bit and keep our focus <laughs> on the regions that make us money. And, and the biggest thing I got from this article is that Hasbro was down 2% in revenue during the holiday season. That is a bad time if you are a toy company to be down. Sure. If you're down and you're a toy company in the holiday season, that's just bad. And so they look at it and are like, well, maybe we need to, you know, backtrack our supply for the European market. Sure. And you also have to keep in mind that um, Hasbro, you know, had a lot of shelf space in Toys R Us that went out of business at this time period. And they had to take a loss for all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so biggest thing with Europe that could possibly be the case. The next thing is that they may have too many products hanging on the shelves in the United States and bigger markets than Europe where they're once again, not producing uh, things like rogue one. Like there, there were a ton of rogue one toys still hanging on the shelves when this, uh, when the last Jedi toy came sure. around and you know, the biggest thing about Rogue One is that every product that was released, every toy that was released for Rogue One was a new product. Like it was new characters. Mm-hmm. The Last Jedi. So for me, I'm someone, even though this isn't, Hasbro, I don't need another Poe and Finn doll. <laughs> exactly. And that's, and that's kind of me is that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm a big, the biggest thing that I collect is Funko Pops. And so 
when I have a Luke Skywalker Funko Pop from even episode four and five, do I really need a Last <laughs> Jedi one? And I, you know, or am I going to, do I need another Kylo Ren one? Or sure. do I need another BB-8 or another Poe or another Finn? And so that's one of the things where maybe they just decided not to give it all to European markets. And then uh, the next thing I found was that the Force Link toys, everything that you could control with your smart device, your watches, right. those were busts, man. They well, didn't sell well. My, I still love my BB-8. I know. <laughs> I have an R2-D2 that yeah. I love. But there, there were definitely flaws right. in that first time around. And, and I think they've since fixed them. But they had to like reduce the cost in a lot of the original Force Link toys because people weren't buying them. Sure. You know, people bought the first round, realized, oh, this doesn't work. And the way that people's mentality works is they don't tend to give products a second chance. Right. Like, you know, when Samsung had their phone start exploding, people just kind of gave up on Samsung and were like, listen, I understand that your that your issue may be fixing this next product, but I'm not going to buy it just because I like my leg a little too much. Sure. There's, there is always a, a little bit of residual when your brand gets tarnished and that, yes. that, that could tie into just the, the way that last Jedi was received too. One, right. one big thing that, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. One big thing that we should probably factor into all this too, is that the way that the toys were uh, released and marketed for force awakens was obviously going to be a much bigger deal yeah. than now, you know, three or four films down the line, because, you know, that was the first star Wars in a generation. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the big relaunch of the, the brand and mm-hmm. the franchise. And, you know, it was all the originals coming back. Like there was a lot of fanfare and a lot of enthusiasm and they knew that was right. going to drive toy sales. So they went big on it, but yep. they have to play it smart too. They understand that that initial, uh, push and, and, uh, strength in, in the market isn't going to be sustained through all the sequels. Like you said, people already got toys, you know, they're still fun. Even if it's not yep. the outfit that they wore in the last Jedi, the, the toys are still perfectly good. Uh, so you get a, a little bit of a softer market as you progress. So even just that, that natural way, <laughs> you know, that, uh, you know, the, you get diminishing returns as you, you continue to push forward with a franchise that's going to play part of it. And like you said, a crowded year. Um, Disney has to play it smart. They know that they've got other product lines that they want to launch and they don't want to kind of, uh, sort of steal the thunder of maybe, you know, what's coming up with Endgame or, mm-hmm. you know, any of the other big budget yeah. properties they've got coming out. So I have a feeling that there'll be a big push leading up to episode nine. And if there's toys oh, yeah. to be had, that's where you're going to find them everywhere. And in the meantime, uh, it's just the calm before the storm. And that mm-hmm. is just kind of how the manufacturers have to do it. Cause there's been lots of times where they, make big assumptions about how popular yeah. something's going to be. And then they end up having to discount them and, you know, put them in the dollar store. And, you know, people like me can get every phantom menace toy ever made for right. <laughs> two to $3 because that's an example of where, you know, they overshoot and they assume something's mm-hmm. going to be bigger than it is. And we're just not in that, that uh, sort of like one tent pole world where everybody needs to have that particular toy. We have a much more uh, diluted and broad marketplace and a mm-hmm. more fractured uh, customer base. So you just, I, I just don't think that there's enough demand for them to be bothered worrying about having, mm-hmm. you know, just a glut of supply everywhere around the world right now. That'll yeah. be after all these other shows and movies launch. That's, that's when it's all going to, the floodgates are going to open. And, and I'm not saying that Hasbro doesn't like star Wars, but this was also <laughs> the same year that transformers came out and transformers is a Hasbro thing. Sure. Like it's always been Hasbro. And so obviously when Transformers is releasing a flick, they're going to put 
they're going to put their transformer stuff in the front because that's where they're going to get the most out of their money. Um, you know, with, uh, with things like star Wars, they have to give quite a bit of that merchandise to good old Lucasfilm and Disney, but for (laughs) Hasbro, like now, you know, they're in a credit of the transformers film. It's like, Oh, based on Hasbro blue. And it's just like, you know, all this stuff. So that's, that's part of that. Um, and then I was kind of trying to put myself in, uh, the mindset of a consumer. And I was thinking, okay, where would I go to buy Star Wars merchandise? And my answer here in the United States is I would go to Target. Okay. Because because for us, that is the number one retailer in the States for Star Wars merchandise is Target. Um, so for, you know, you as a Canadian, John, <laughs> I hear that Target um, is possibly, you know, known as Targo, and they didn't really have a success there in Canada. Yeah, well, yeah, they were Target got gone. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, we had them for about a year. It was kind of like a, a posh Kmart for us. But yeah, we, we just, uh, I don't know, we weren't ready for them, I guess. So, yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> like, where do you get your Star Wars merchandise? Uh, well, I mean, we still have Toys R Us. So, I mean, that's something. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we can always just go there. But amazon uh mm-hmm. anywhere <laughs> you know yeah. I, um there's i mean walmart has significant shelf space for star wars lego yep. and the kind of stuff that you know catches my eye when i'm you know getting my groceries or whatever uh so i i mean i'm not uh i'm not the expert on star wars merchandising and and kind of where the go-to place is but it is available to be had as far as i can tell it's just not the exciting thing right now so you know, they're not going to be replenishing stock as much. So it's just kind of a boring time for what you're going to be seeing on the shelves. You're not getting the latest, greatest, but I mean, this is just, this is just business. This is supply demand. It'll happen whenever they feel the consumer really needs it. So I would be interested if someone in the UK that's listening to this podcast, if you could go down to your Walmart or, or whatever store you go to, to get your Star Wars merchandise and just take a picture of the aisle where you get your Star Wars merchandise, I'd be curious to see how that compares to the US markets and see how much shelf space they're actually getting. Because I wonder, um, because it seems like our Twitter follower here believes that Hasbro might be ignoring that fan base. And so I'm just kind of curious to see what that what that shelf bit what the shelf space looks like for Star Wars and um and then that may give me more theories to run off here. Well, I mean, you know me, I like to theorize. Sure. Since we should probably spend another solid 20 30 minutes on this topic, <clears throat> there's one other thing that maybe we should point out. Just because that was this one person's experience, that doesn't necessarily mean that that's, exactly. you know, the trend or the full picture. Um if there's money to be made, Hasbro's going to figure out how to get toys, <laughs> you know, yes. to the stores. Uh, we're, it, it's not like star Wars toys are fading away. I, I think maybe, you know, they went to a store. It wasn't the best time to be, you know, mm-hmm. in the toy section for star Wars, just because of whatever factors played, played on that particular, uh, retailers mm-hmm. stock. But we don't even know if this is a, a broader issue. It's certainly nothing that mm-hmm. I've, I've caught in rumblings from, from sort of like the press at large saying right. that there's a shortage of star Wars toys. And you know, there's, there's some sort of controversy. I, I just don't, uh, I, I don't think that this is the time for star mm-hmm. Wars to be the big focus for the toy stores. So if anything, it's that, and otherwise yeah. it might just be a very localized personal mm-hmm. experience of, of this guy. And yeah. uh, I, I bet, you know, if he goes back in a couple of weeks, it might be a totally different picture of that story. Yeah. And I, and I've seen a couple of tweets just, uh, not directed towards us, but, 
um, just some of our followers. I've seen um, a couple other individuals who have asked the question on Twitter, like, hey, where do you guys get your Star Wars merchandise? Mm. I'm finding that my store doesn't carry as much of them anymore. And that could be simply that as soon as they hit the shelves, people are running in and, and snatching them. Yeah, well, wait till two months before the movie comes out and yep. tell me you can't find Star Wars toys. Exactly. They, and that's going to be the thing. Star Wars, uh, it's not 19, you know, 77. It's, it's not going to mm-hmm. be like lines around the corner waiting for Star Wars. Like there's going to be Force Friday or Triple Force Friday mm-hmm. or whatever they're doing this year. Yep. But, uh, aside from that, it, the rest of the year, it's just kind of business as usual. Star Wars is just another toy now. It's not mm-hmm. the toy. Yeah. And that's the thing is that uh, I was reading a million different articles and I disagree with this whole thing. People call it movie fatigue. Mm. Like here's here's my issue and I'm going to attack this real quick. Movie fatigue, if that was a thing, then that would have happened in the 1950s because we as consumers have loved the crap out of every single movie that, you know, not every single movie, but every single era of films we love. Uh, But the the kind of nuggets to this argument is that there are a lot of movies that are being merchandised on a mass scale that kids are buying right like you got like i said you got thor ragnarok the avengers are huge right now which Mm -hmm. is in the same studio as disney um and so you got these these huge things that people are going after and you know when it comes to supply and demand it's not necessarily smart for hasbro to continue to supply the shelves year round and keep pushing out and stacking up the shelves if they're not selling it's simple they have a bean counter that takes the year as a whole and says, when's the right time to ramp up production on this toy line? And when do we want to push this stuff out? And they, they make their roadmap and then they execute on it. And there's going to be lulls in that. Yeah. Just the way it goes. And and Hasbro made one mistake with, with the last Jedi is that they released in September and they sold out. People are, the fans showed up in September and bought all those toys at whatever, like you were saying, the force Friday, Tuesday, Monday, whatever force day it is. Um, And they bought the toys. And so Hasbro was like, okay, let's kind of duplicate that and do it again. And then things kind of stuck around for a while and they didn't sell as well on during the holiday season because simply people were, they already had, they already bought the Luke. They already had bought the, uh, the, uh, Ray Jedi training force FX lightsaber. One other thing is everything surrounding star Wars, as far as the, you know, the money and the business of it, everyone's treading very lightly, you know, yep. because they took a couple big hits last year and mm-hmm. you know, there was some, some bruising <laughs> on the, the sheen of the, the franchise. Yes. And so it's very possible that Hasbro put the brakes and said, you know what, yeah. we're not going to produce as much until we know that it's sustainable, mm-hmm. that, you know, the, the foundation well, is there for us to, to ramp back up and you don't have a big tentpole star Wars movie mm-hmm. this past holiday season. So you've got all sorts of reasons why it's a soft time for star Wars right now. And you just got to wait, wait until the next movie kind of flips that, you know, back around. And another thing as a toy company, you don't necessarily want your product competing with your product again. And so Hasbro, when they release the last Jedi, you know, this was the first year in star Wars history that we got two films Mm -hmm. within a year. And so the last thing that Hasbro wants is their last Jedi toys to still be on the shelf at a mass scale sure. when Solo is yeah, released. Yeah, so they may have thought, we we release them a little early, we do a big mm-hmm. push, we clear up the stock, and then we, you know, all hands on deck for Solo, which then doesn't perform. And so all of a sudden right. they pull all the, the marketing muscle and all of the, you know, we were going to pay the stores for extra exposure and, you know, mm-hmm. corner placement and all of those like premium planogram ideal selling situations. They probably ramped back a lot of that and then scaled mm-hmm. back too. So there's probably a lot of pivoting but 
you know, when I said we should definitely dig into this for another half an hour, I was actually just kidding. <laughs> so, uh, have you, uh, have you, uh, been watching the show Star Wars Resistance? I have been watching Star Wars <laughs> Resistance. So we got some Star Wars Resistance stuff going on mm-hmm. and we've seen a lot. So we see Sonara, which we visited before. Right. Um, she's hanging around. She's hanging around some friends and then she's not hanging around some friends. Sure. And, uh, yeah, so what do you think of Sonara's kind of story arc that she had in these past couple of episodes? Felt pretty Star Warsy. You know, she's a a rogue that deep down has a heart of gold or a moral compass and she's conflicted, but when push comes to shove, she's going to try and, you know, maybe do the right thing. Uh, I think the jury's still out because at the end she does go back to the pirate, so we're not mm-hmm. entirely sure where her heart is at, but I think she showed some pretty clear glimpses of conscience and regret. And so, you know, if, if she resurfaces, hopefully it'll be in a moment of redemption, you know, where yeah. she can do the right thing at the right time and, uh, you know, make good on some of the problems she caused for the station and, you know, those in his daughter and all the rest of it. And the, like you said, it sounds like a Star Wars story <laughs> <Yes>. arc there. <laughs> a redemption arc. Yeah. That's something that I could see happening in a Star Wars property. Yeah. Yeah. And, and especially like they're building it up pretty good. Oh, she's kind of hiding from the pirates. Oh, she's coming back mm-hmm. to the pirates. Oh, is she going to really attack, yeah. you know, Colossus again? She's having misgiving. She doesn't want yeah. to keep going with them, but she feels like she's trapped. Like it's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, you know, conflict there and eventually she's going to have to rise above it and do the right thing. And that's probably what we'll see pushing towards the finale. If, if we even see her again, she, they, yeah. that could be the end of her storyline for all we know, but I have yeah. a feeling she'll be back and she'll probably do something to help the good guys at the right time. I have a feeling all of the pirates might. Like what if well, they've been double crossed? In- so yeah, right. they might have good so, reason to rally against the first order, the enemy of my enemy, and all that. Yeah. Well, what if the pirates become like the unofficial like protectors of Colossus in the end? Like get out of here, first order. I don't see that happening. There's there's still pirates. There's still opportunists, but yeah. it wouldn't be unheard of for an uprising to happen and the pirates to have to decide that it's just in their best interest to rally with Colossus for that particular occasion. That could be a fun thing to explore if that happens, but I don't think, you know, there's going to be any great altruism or, you know, that they're going to be simpatico with Colossus anytime soon Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're still the bad guys. Um, and Kaz is a better spy. Somewhat. (laughs) Uh, he, (laughs) he trips at very opportune times to save the day. That seems to be, you know, how Kaz does as a spy. Uh, but so, what do you think of the episode where they dress up as a stormtrooper, or he dresses up as a stormtrooper? Well, I felt bad for the stormtrooper, <laughs> <laughs> just constantly getting his concussion repummeled, and then at the end of it all, yeah, he's left healthy. to get his brain wiped. What they call it a, a brain scrape? Oh yeah, <laughs> a reconditioning brain scrape. That, that poor guy, you know, just yeah, he's just doing well, his job. <laughs> well, like every time he like starts waking up and they hit him on the head again, I'm like, that's the worst thing to do. Yeah, for a concussion. no, no, no. Like, He's obviously it, showing signs of a concussion. You don't. Yeah. Right. And like the, the bad thing is, is like, you know, you get a concussion, the rule of thumb, you don't fall asleep. Right. The second rule of thumb, don't get knocked out again. Sure. And yeah, he's uh, he is not following the best practices for dealing with a concussion at all. And he's not getting any help from, uh, yeah, our, anyway. our heroes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but but we see Kaz put on a Stormtrooper outfit. So we got, once again, another hero in a Stormtrooper outfit. We got tons which, of you know, callbacks too, right? Yeah. Like, you yes. know, the, the fumbling, checking in over the communicator and infiltrating a ship and, you know, having to try and keep up appearances. All of that is straight out of a new hope. And, and they yep. were definitely aping even just camera angles and just the, 
just the way that all played out felt very much like the Death Star stuff from A New Hope. Yep. And then we got a call to The Last Jedi with the bad BB droid. Yes. And that, <laughs> I'm assuming there's a so, lot of those in the First Order. So I don't know if it's yes. the same menace the same that one, was following BB-8. But right. yeah. Uh, Wouldn't yeah. that be funny? Like he's he gets so close every it, time. And then <laughs> it would be nice if there was a way to identify that. Because if it was, then for anyone that took the time to figure it out, that would be really satisfying to know that that's actually him. Yeah. Um, but yes, uh, the First Order is becoming more and more of a menace on the station along with their dark BB mm-hmm. units. Yeah, and I'm telling you, man, every time I see that freaking ship that uh, the Crimson <laughs> Stormtroopers on, I'm just like, yeah, it's it's Kylo's ship. How come he keeps getting out of it? The finale. Um, We're not going to see him till the finale. Yeah, I know. But it's just every time it gets me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I forgot he's flying this thing around. Um, well, I we've I think we've established that there's more than one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah this is just but the it, first order transport. This is the new shuttle Tidarian. Yeah. It's just black now. It would have been nice if it was Kylo's, because they even took away the TIE Slicer. Like, he doesn't even get a, the the only TIE Slicer anymore, mm-hmm. which makes sense, because if it has the name of the TIE Slicer, There's it's obviously mass-produced. But <laughs> uh, that's just me being picky and wanting the main characters to have their own special ship, but that doesn't happen all the time. Sure. Uh, and then we, we're we getting close to the connection, man. Well, I called it. You know, I, yeah. I, I have to pat myself on the back for my powers of deduction and prediction on this. I said yep. when Poe shows up and it's the first time of all the times that he interacts with Kaz that he says, BB, mm-hmm. it has to come with him. You yep. know that Force Awakens is right around the corner. Yeah. And, and yeah, he, he even says that I'm off to Jakku, right? There was yep. no ambiguity yet. Yeah. And so we finally get the droid swap. We, we speculated about that a couple a zero of months G ago. Droid swap. It's, yeah. <laughs> Don't know how quite that works, but it worked. It looked cool. Yeah. Um, I bought it. I thought that was, yeah. Fun. Yeah. And, and you know, it makes sense that they would have something like that. Right. Like if you, uh, especially if you're like, if your droid gets damaged in the middle of space, you got to be able to rely on up, your droid. Yeah. You have to be able to pick up another one. Yeah. My head cannon says there's some yeah. sort of like very, low power tractor beam in those sockets that helps guide them. There, there was no suspension of disbelief required on my part. Mm. Like after all the other silliness that they go through, the fact that he'd even take a spaceship into space that, you know, fails him (laughs) until the last second, you know, right before he crashes every single time. Uh, you know, if you can get past that and the gravity, well, and all the other stuff, then yeah, the BB unit swapping in space, no problem. I'm, I'm down with that. But yeah, so we finally got that. We finally got BB-8. He's going to be absent for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see how long he's like. I'm kind of curious to see if, if you know, speculation, if the if this episode nine has a huge time jump, are we going to see BB-8 back in resistance right. as a regular character for a while? Or what's going to be the story there? Regardless, um, you know, I think this, I think we're going to start liking, it, it's kind of weird because this has been in the plans, obviously, at, at the Lucasfilm Animation Department to swap these two droids at some point. And so I wonder if part of their plan was like, every time you see this other BB unit, you start liking them a little more. And then you're kind of sad for them because, you know, obviously BB-8 and this other one have, uh, what's the what's the pink and blue one's name? It's like BB. It's got two letters after it or two yeah. numbers after it. I can't quite remember though. Um, but, you know, they kind of had a thing going on. They had a little romantic relationship. Sure. And so not only are you split away from BB-8, but you have this kind of feeling of, oh, well, I guess see you later again. Bye. Sure. It's very touching. Um, yeah. um, my hunch on all of this is that BB-8, is in the show because he was a known quantity that they know kids yep. love. So if you're going to try and rope people in and get them acquainted with the show, you got to give them something familiar to latch on to, to have some mm-hmm. fun with. And what's more fun than BB eight. So right. he had to be there. But what's interesting is, you know, they introduced the second pink BB unit. 
Mm-hmm. And then over time, now this BB unit is going on adventures with them and now is left behind and proves himself perfectly capable, you know, doing the same role as BB-8 and being able to tag along on, on adventures and, you know, being ha- handy in the moment. You know, we saw mm-hmm. on the last episode that it can uh, scale uh, treacherous pipes along the side of Colossus yeah. with the best of them. So, <laughs> you know, this is another capable unit. So if the kids like it, if they say, well, the, the pink one's as cool as BB-8, then, you know, maybe the producers just thought, you know, this is our elegant way of disconnecting mm-hmm. BB-8 from the show, introducing the other BB droid and just going forward with that. Because, you know, you, we don't want to box ourselves into BB-8 always having to have some contrived reason to be back on Colossus when there's other right. stuff happening with Poe in the galaxy. Yeah, and I'm curious. Uh, so Star Wars released their... Uh or Hasbro released their Star Wars resistant lines of toys. I wonder, did they, did they release the pink BB unit? Oh, I can't see how they wouldn't. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that seems like something well, that the, they would the, do. The, the girl Star Wars fans have to have a BB unit of their own too. At one time, Kathleen Kennedy before force awakens came out, or maybe, you know, maybe shortly thereafter, um, suggested that maybe BB eight was a girl, just kind of like an off the cuff right. jokey remark, but there was a whole group of people that kind of took that and ran with it and mm-hmm. felt that it was somehow misogynistic that BB eight, in the long run didn't prove to be a girl. So now we do have a bonafide <laughs> female BB unit, uh, you know, that's obviously, you know, uh, a looker for a droid. I mean, if BB eight's yeah. interested, you know, that's gotta be, uh, a pretty top shelf droid. So we've, we've got the capable counterpart for BB eight now for, for the young girl, star Wars fans. And I hope that they like it. Yeah. And, and I think that, uh, so when BB-8 was first introduced in The Force Awakens, from the very trailer, people were like, that's a, like, you know, there's kind of a love-hate relationship with the droid, but they're like, oh, why do you have that thing? And now all of a sudden, you know, if you don't have BB-8 in a movie, people are going to freak out. Do you think there was um, any kind of genuine splitter controversy about that? Because the first no, time I, mean, I saw him rolling towards, yeah. you know, the Millennium Falcon there in that one shot in the trailer, I thought, right. oh, that's that's brilliant. There, How do you ever top R2? And they just did it. That's That's the most adorable thing I've ever seen in Star Wars. Uh, half the time when I talk about a, uh, a split in the fan base, I'm talking about a, the small one. Yes. We're talking about the vocal minority that that, that they think that they know everything about star Wars and can remake the last Jedi, uh, that group of people. BB eight was one of the the biggest wins as far as finding the exact right tone and approach to something to make the new franchise feel familiar, but also, you know, fun and new. Like he is just great design end to end and a great character. And, uh, Yeah enduring he's he's he is the new r2 like as much as people just loved r2 and so r2 has to be a part of every adventure in the kind Mm -hmm. of classic trilogy realm bb8 is playing that role more than part of capably yeah yeah and and i think that uh just the relationship that bb has with the characters like you know there's a there's a genuine like bromance between bb8 and poe poe doesn't want to get split up by him which is why i was so surprised that he just left him on colossus well that's that's Um, the that's the (laughs) contrivance for uh you know production reasons yeah well i'm seeing here on hasbro's release unless there's something else that i'm not seeing that the they have another bb8 toy Okay. And a and a bucket toy. So they have bucket, but See, I guess at the time of the release, he's kind of all yeah. skeleton. So like, how do you even? Oh, yeah. it, it's not. It's not like a a, a mechanized remote controlled one. It's just no, a, no, just no, an no, no, no. Yeah, okay. well, that makes more yeah. sense. Just the action figure on it. Yeah. Um, but that would be cool if they did it. If they did the Force Link um remote control of this new BB unit, and then you could have all three of them. You know, when you watch your films, because that's what people do with these Force Links. You turn on the film, then you hook up your device right. to it, and then it's just like, oh, let's watch this with our two. <laughs> Because that's what everybody's doing when they pop into Star Wars. I mean, that's what I've been doing the past few times. It has been pretty entertaining just seeing a little 
interactive droid with the films. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I am not ashamed to admit it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so do you think that we are going to see this destruction that we saw in The Force Awakens? Or do you think it's just going to be, oh, hey, yeah, a whole system was destroyed? Well, hmm, that's tricky because we saw it in the film. So there's no absolute there's no reason need that we should to reestablish it. Right? it. Uh, and it might be kind of heavy for kids, you know, yeah. the, the thought of all those worlds blowing up. But then again, we, we did just watch a stormtrooper drown in the last episode. We did. <laughs> Sent him right over the side of Colossus. And I'm just thinking, oh, his heavy armor. Yeah, that guy's just going yeah, right to the bottom. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, yep. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. uh, sure, they didn't dwell on it. But yeah, that, that stormtrooper. Yeah, he's gone. Um. I don't know. I don't know if we're going to see it. I don't know if we need to see it. It just depends on where they take the story. But I, I think what's more compelling is that we're seeing the uh, machinations of the first order spread throughout Colossus. Yes. And that's setting the scene for why the first order is genuinely the threat that Leia thought they would be. And you're yes. starting to see that play out in a very, you know, like satisfying and, um, compelling way that I, I think is smarter than most kids shows deserve. So I was actually yeah. very impressed with how they're rolling this mm-hmm. out and weaving in themes of, uh, you know, do you submit to totalitarianism? Do you submit mm-hmm. your Liberty for security? Uh, the people that are kind of go along, get along. How long does that last before they come for them? Like they're showing all of these really weighty ideas in very palatable kid friendly terms. And yeah. I'm, in, I'm impressed by that. And so like, yeah, and whether we see star killer base go off or not, I don't really care because we're seeing a very satisfying portrayal of the first order mm-hmm. that isn't as grandiose as the super yeah. weapon going off, but it's, it's fleshing them out in my, my yeah. mind. And now when I watch the movies, I'm feeling more of those kind of Nazi overtures that mm-hmm. we were supposed to be feeling when we saw the stormtroopers in the original movies, you know, like yeah. we were supposed to get that sense of the officers on the star destroyers and just the, you know, the jackboot mm-hmm. militaristic nature of the empire. We're, we're feeling that. And because yeah. force awakens painted the politics of the galaxy in such muddy terms, we didn't really get a good sense of that, mm-hmm. uh, with the movies mm-hmm. so far. So this, this feels like it's enriching things. For me. Yeah. And and I totally agree with that. It feels like that we're seeing the departments of this specific military branch of the first order. Mm -hmm. Like we're seeing, um, so like, you know, during the films you get your, your main, I like to call them like the executive branch. We see the main executive branch working and that's where, uh, our Huxes and our Kylos. Right. Yeah. The Huxes, Kylos, the Phasmas. And then you kind of got these other departments that are in charge of like, you know, controlling trade bases, like the Crimson Trooper and Commander Pyre. And so it gives them a, um, it gives them a place that as the first order is crumbling during this new trilogy. It gives those guys still a place that they can, you know, that they can hang out <laughs> sure. um, and still be working. And we don't have to ask the question of how come they're not going to crate and helping them kill all the people right, on the crate. Right. Well, that's not their job. Like, yeah, you know, we don't send the Marines into everything. Right. We, we we're very selective in what we do with, with certain groups of the military. Branches. We're seeing the sprawling insidious nature of kind of the low level, yeah. control mechanism of the first order at play here. And, uh, f- for my money, that's, that's just really satisfying for a kid show. It that's is. just really satisfying to see something like that thematically in the show. Yeah. And it, it shows, like you said, a more sinister nature to these, um, uh, to this 
first order it uh just even the way that the stormtroopers are reacting um even though it's a kid's show like they're not going to start shooting people during that riot that broke out um, <laughs> yeah they're gonna toss some showing, and right <laughs> they're always set to stun yeah <laughs> uh but like it shows that they are there to control that trade base right again like, and it's kind of showing that you know they had a little more going on than just star killer base mm-hmm. um which is yeah like you said it's it's pretty smart for them to do that stuff yeah um, i really so i really really like that yeah and and I think that um, just from a viewer standpoint, I've gotten more on board with this show as it's gone on than, you know, because the first I was invested in the show, but I've got more and more like, oh, this is actually getting more and more interesting for right. me um, as the show's gone on. I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with these characters, um, how they're going to develop them in the last, what is it, like four or five episodes? Yeah, we're at 17 now, so mm-hmm. we're probably going to have, yeah, maybe five or six tops if they do like a full 22 order. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to how that's going to go down. I, I think that we're going to get little fragments of, uh, people coming to Colossus maybe that are, you know, refugees, so to speak to the, sure. from the star killer attack that, yeah, I can't go home because my home has been destroyed. Well, so we've here. already kind of got a sense of that with the kids, yep. right? Yeah. With so the two kids. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if they're building those kids to something. Cause we didn't know if we were ever going to see him again. Like the, if that episode yep. was a one-off, but no, they're continuing to use them as a, a reminder that, as much as it's easy to be complacent to the first order, no, there, there's people that have genuinely been devastated by it. So, yeah. um, uh, why can't I think of her name, but you know, Kaz's, uh, foil, the other tech, the, mm-hmm. the girl tech, you know how Tam. she's always said, yeah, Tam. Yeah. Yes. She's always saying that, you know, her family actually made their living right. working for the first order. So she doesn't see why it's a problem and, you know, things are running mm-hmm. well here. They're, you know, they're keeping, <laughs> keeping the lights on. Everybody's, you know, safe yeah. and secure, no more pirate attacks. Um, but they're making it clear that no, there's, there's legitimate fallout from yeah. this regime and eventually she's going to have a rude awakening. And so I wonder how those storylines are going to kind of coalesce and kind of make that mm-hmm. point. And I feel like they are building those kids towards something, something satisfying right. to, to really kind of draw and, that picture. Uh, and you know, we, we may get something to where we see maybe at the season finale that, uh, that Colossus becomes more of a, you know, first order stronghold. And we start seeing the more like sinister nature mm-hmm. in that, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, what they did in the, uh, the Jakku village where they shoot everyone. Right. Um, but yeah. we, but we may get something like, Oh yeah. Like these people are bad. And I think that Tam's going to have to come to grips of, yeah, they're, these people are terrible. You're right. My um, hunch is if, if I was writing the show and I'm thinking, well, we need kind of a cliffhanger. We need a way to really like set the scene for what we want to do in season two. I feel like the closing scenes of this season are going to be something in the vein of, okay, we've seen our first real taste of just how bad the first order is. Mm -hmm. We've caught wind of, you know, what happened to the Republic capitals. We know now that they're the bad guys. And unfortunately we were too naive and it's too late now. And they're just flooded on Colossus. Like they're, you know, they're everywhere. And so it's kind of like this quiet underground sit down meeting where there's kind of a birth of a resistance in the station. And they're like, okay, well we need to be determined that we're going to do something about this. We're not just going to roll over to it. And it's just kind of like that, that spark of rebellion that, uh, is going to lead us into season two, where maybe they actually actively try to oppose them and get them off the station and realize that the stakes are high because they're enabling the fleet now to come out of the outer region or the unknown regions to, you know, to refuel and be able to menace the galaxy. So they, they realize that there's genuine stakes now for who's in control of Colossus and they start banding together and forming their plan. I feel like we're just going to see the genesis of that. And then next season they'll build on it. That's, that's my hunch, but you know, who knows what they got in mind. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking that 
that we're going to see some more of that, like you said. And even in episode, I think it was episode 16, where Poe and um, and Kaz go to that planet, it's like, obviously, the First Order right. has done something here. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that it's going to... I think it's going to end with everyone who's maybe slightly trusting the First Order right now. I think it, the, that cliffhanger is going to be where people are now no longer doubting that the first order. I feel it's going to be like a, like a classic movie scene where you've got kind of like these true believers in the resistance that are meeting and they're, they're kind of wondering if anyone else on the station is going to kind of band with them and they've put out their feelers and put out the word and they don't know if they're going to be able to get that groundswell of support. And then they're like going to open the door after their meeting and it's going to be like everyone. And it's going to be like that little yellow fluffy janitor. He's going to be mm-hmm. like the first one at the door ready to sign up to, to help them because you've been seeing through all these episodes, how all of just the, the day-to-day go along, get along kind of people on Colossus, they're slowly getting trampled and life's slowly getting worse for them in these subtle ways that don't mean much individually, but you're seeing it start to, um, snowball into mm-hmm. feelings of resentment to the point where now when the stormtroopers are walking in broad daylight, there are people, you know, cursing them yep. and throwing fruit at them. And like, you're starting to get that, that feeling of resentment building. So I feel like we're going to see that and all these characters that throughout these last half dozen episodes, we've seen them slowly, um, get trampled by the first order. They're going to, they're going to rally and they're going to kind of be there to, to pitch in something along those lines. So we have, uh, Niku who's always <laughs> favorite Niku. Character. <laughs> yeah. He is my favorite character. I, you know, was a little embarrassed, but I started laughing really hard when, uh, so when Kaz gets back from his little adventure with Poe, obviously he can't tell everyone what right. he's doing. Um, and Nico's, where did you come from? And I mean, right now, not biologically. <laughs> sure. And I was just like, oh, that's so good. That's yeah. so funny. And it's like one of the things to where it, it kind of shows just the creativeness behind the show. Like, you know, are kids really going to laugh at that? And, but I'm laughing yeah, at no, it. That so might go like over one of those a few things. kids heads, but it's very true to his character. And I was yeah. enjoying the way that they were using him as well. Um, the, you know, the, the giant squid episode, mm-hmm. that was a, a little, little heavy, <laughs> Yeah. You know, there was, there was maybe a, a bit too much silliness in, in that one for me, but generally speaking, yeah, he had some really satisfying moments and proves to be very helpful just because of his oblivious nature. He's the right guy to knock out the stormtrooper because, well, you, you told us that this was going to be terrible if he wakes up. So obviously I had to put him back to sleep. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, the math is so simple in his mind when, when action needs to be taken. Um, so yeah, he had a lot of fun moments. Uh, Kaz says, Oh, I could kiss you. And he's like, well, I appreciate that, but I, I just don't see you that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. So, uh, there was some fun to be had there for sure. Yeah. And so I have a question about that. So I was watching that episode and that giant sea monster mm-hmm. when they go down in the ocean, like what happened to that? You just see it. Sure. I think I thought it was going to be an episode one thing where it was like the big fish that tries to eat them. And it was just like, Oh no, it's just looking at them. Well, it, they didn't paint it as having any ill will towards Colossus. Right. It just wanted his baby back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think that that's a, uh, I, I, yeah, I think that's going to show up whenever it's convenient, but I, I don't think that that's ever going to be like a, a genuine menace to the station again. Unless, and and also they take another baby on board. Right. And if that stormtrooper didn't drown, um, <laughs> I think it's safe to say that it might be F- food, giant squid, <laughs> sure. fish food. <laughs> Uh, well, we did learn that those little, uh, you know, munchkin squid larvae will eat pretty much anything. So yeah, uh, stormtrooper, uh, armor. I, I could see that being on the, on the menu. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a big thing right here. I'm just going to eat it. Cause I'll out of the trash. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, did you have anything else with the the last few episodes that we've watched of Resistance? Well, I mean, there's a lot to be said and we could always, you know, go off for an hour on how beautiful the show is. And I think their establishing shots are getting really, you know, effective and a lot of the creatures that they're just showing in the background for, you know, no obvious plot reason. Just, we, we want some whimsy in this universe and some really creative creature design. I I just feel like the production values on this are continuing to impress and it's just gorgeous to watch. It's a lot of fun. It's a well-paced show. It's very juvenile at moments, but then also very thought provoking and compelling at moments, like with what they're doing with the first order. So uh, I continue to be impressed. And like I said, on the last show, I had progressed to the point where I wasn't just watching it out of curiosity. I was watching it because I really wanted to see where they were going with the story. Like it was, it was roping me in. I was getting invested and these last half dozen episodes have certainly continued to pull me in and I'm, I'm just as engaged now as I was then. So they're doing something right. You know, like we're, uh, we're, we're not their target audience, but if we're finding something of value in this show, then yeah, they're, they're definitely doing something right. Yeah. And I'll take you one further. Like I, I, I feel more invested and more into the show than I was. I I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Um, because you know, and not just for the animation, like the animation got me hooked from the very theory that they were going to do this show based off this type of animation. Mm -hmm. And so I was hooked from then, but they've, and I didn't know how the storyline was going to work out. Like I was like, okay, it's going to be, you know, geared towards kids. So I don't know how invested the story is going to get me into it, but they've done just enough where if you are watching the trilogy, the new trilogy right now, you are invested in the show because there's a lot of those nuggets mm-hmm. pose investigating you know we want to see how big this first order is and i'm sending you out here because princess leia is not getting the permission from the rest of the resistance to do this right. and we want to see how big this is because she thinks it's bad and anytime leia thinks something's bad i mean come on it's bad sure uh it's like so she has some sort of intuition about these sort of things yeah i mean you you never know about people with the force but. oh you know what there is one thing that i wanted to bring up that i'm finding really enjoyable about the show is in the force awakens we get back to the resistance base mm-hmm. and for whatever reason at the exact right time they've managed to gather intel on the location of star killer base they have the plans. They have exactly what they need. And there's just some off the cuff remark that, you know, our, you know, our spies out in that region or whatever, were able to get this to us. You know, mm-hmm. they, they gloss over how it happens, but if you kind of look at the trajectory of the show, uh, it's kind of Kaz, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, he's the one that figured out that they were mining resources well, along mm-hmm. with Poe, but you know, haphazardly right. he figured out. And now they figured out that, oh, well, you know, they've, they've got this massive planet drilling machinery that they've been testing on these, you know, asteroids mm-hmm. or planets or whatever out, out in this, you know, uncharted region. Uh, so we're, we're getting closer and closer to uncovering the truth about Starkiller base. And now at the end of it, uh, he's recovered the, the data stick yep. with the, the map of the first orders projections mm-hmm. of kind of where their resources are. So yeah. yeah, uh, it looks like that little piece of the puzzle has been filled in. How did the yeah. resistance figure out? where Starkiller base was, what it was and how they could approach attacking it. Turns out Kaz may end up being very pivotal and all that. And if that's yeah. where the story goes throughout the rest of the season, uh, good on them. Good on them for yeah. taking us there. Cause that's a, a compelling story to tell. And I, I'm happy watching it. Yeah. And I think it would be a lot of fun. I'm a big Easter egg guy. And so I think it'd be a lot of fun to have an Easter. I don't think it's going to happen, but to have (laughs) one in episode nine, like whether it's something like, Oh, how'd you do this? And Poe just makes a comment. Like I have a guy. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, Oh, that's, I know who that guy is. And so that would be just kind of cool just to see. And, um, you know, 
it would be a fun fun little nugget there for the fans that are following the show and then uh love the the star wars projects that are currently mm-hmm. it's one of the little um inspired moments or aspects to the show that make me feel confident that the people involved in star wars tv right now mm-hmm. kind of get how to weave things together and how to build yeah. out the canon in a satisfying way and and find those little underdeveloped aspects of the bigger uh, like saga story and flesh them out and give us more context and more meaning and more import for them. Um, so if, if they do anything similar with what they've got cooking for Mandalorian or Cassian Andor yeah. or Obi-Wan, which for some reason you didn't throw in our news up front, but yes, I forgot. I totally <laughs> forgot. Of that. Uh, yeah. If we want to get off resistance, <laughs> this might be as good a time as any, but just to put a bookend on that, I just, I feel like star Wars TV is in maybe better hands than the overall sort of like, uh, just creative direction of the movies have been over the last little while. And so hopefully, you know, with lessons learned and with these little wins on the small screen under yeah. their belt, maybe Lucasfilm can begin to, you know, tighten up the other aspects of the company that drive the movies forward and give us more of a sandbox to play in. And uh, yeah, if they just continue to kind of all just pull this back together and rein it in and, and get a, maybe a tighter control over all these narratives, the way that we're starting to see with the TV shows, um, then we're going to get just a lot of fun entertainment over the next few years. And that's, that's kind of what this is making me more optimistic about. Yeah. So let's talk Obi-Wan. Totally, yeah. I totally <laughs> forgot about Obi-Wan, yeah. man. Um, yeah. So I, I think we've talked about this way early in the podcast, or at least we yeah, did. We, it like we speculated of, that they probably would bring it to TV if for whatever reason, you know, they were putting all the movies on hold while they did some reevaluating and figuring out kind of really where their focus needed to be. If the Obi-Wan John, movie got scrapped, John, that, what? that meant they were canceling. Everything. Yes. Yeah. Ewan McGregor, they were just going <laughs> to turn him away. He said, I want to make a star Wars movie with you. And they said, yeah, you know what? No, no. Solo, I, I, Solo too, too didn't make us enough money. So we're, we, we're not we sure can't if the fans do that. We are not sure if the fans want to see Obi-Wan or another adventure with him. <laughs> yeah. If they, if they didn't figure out a way to keep that conversation going with Ewan McGregor, then I would be really disappointed in the production uh, but it exempt. turns out Kathleen Kennedy is actually really good at her job. Yeah. Yeah. For <laughs> as much as anyone would stumble trying to reboot a franchise and just figure out how to go through uncharted territory with a, a very fired up fan base. Uh, she's, she's scoring some wins here. And if Obi-Wan does happen, that's a definitely a good one for her to go out, go out on. Yeah. Like her tenure would be heralded as a win. <laughs> you know, if we see Obi-Wan either on TV or in the cinema, either way, I'd be good with it. Right. Well, and like, here's the thing with the Obi-Wan thing. I've always kind of thought that it should be a TV show. Sure. Simply because there's a lot of things that you can do. Like, who knows how many side missions he went on. And then also part of that theory is that he may never have left Tatooine when he got there. And so can you really make a movie of him just chilling on Tatooine the whole time? Maybe. But are you going to do it justice? I don't. Sure. I think it's I think it fits much better in a television platform. Yeah. Um, yeah. TV is definitely a more um, expansive type of opportunity mm-hmm. to tell a story where you don't yeah. need to worry so much about cramming in all this exposition and getting, you know, this, this massive amount of plot on the screen inside of two hours with right. TV, you can unfold it a little more organically, find little satisfying, you know, side adventures and just other aspects that you can paint around the edges that you just don't have time for in a movie. And someone like Obi-Wan that's thoughtful and methodical and, you know, he just moves at his own pace. I feel like the pace of TV would service that and you would get more compelling dialogue and you would just get 
a, a better portrait of the character. If yeah. you had a few episodes to really establish him and dig deep on his motivations and where he's at as a person. So, yeah. uh, I'm all for this. I'm definitely all for this. Yeah, I am too. And yeah. And like you were saying, you get to spend more time with characters on television shows than you do in a movie. Yeah. And you know, Obi-Wan, he, I don't think people realize this, but you know, he went through a lot mm. and so kind of his time chilling on Tatooine, he probably went through a lot of uh, character development mm-hmm. um, and a lot of questioning and a lot of just uh, studying the force, trying to figure out how to become one with the force and all that stuff. So, I mean, that that's something that you can spend a lot of time on on a television show right. that you can't do in a movie like you can have like a scene of that in a movie but even that like even in episode three when yoda's talking to qui-gon that's not in that theatrical release film it's a deleted scene because it takes up space for the greater story that they that they felt like it doesn't really fit here absolutely um and it would fit in a television show because you could have him sitting in a you know in his little tatooine cave for (laughs) a couple of minutes chilling with the you know chilling in there and and let's be honest like i don't think if you go to liam neeson right now and you're like hey would you like to be qui-gon jinn for 10 minutes we'll give you like two million dollars <laughs> i don't think he's gonna say no sure yeah no it is nice that if if they unfold it over like you know six or eight episodes or whatever they think is the right fit for the amount of story that they have that there will mm-hmm. be time for those quiet introspective moments and for um doing not retconning, but Mm -hmm. fleshing out the stuff that got glossed over in the prequels, particularly this whole idea of, you know, the, the living force and, and the, um, the, uh, discovery that Qui-Gon made about being able to kind of break through and, and maintain your essence. It literally was like two lines of exposition from Yoda Mm -hmm. at the very end of revenge of the Sith. Uh, and that's, that's it. That, that had to sustain the appearance of Obi-Wan and Yoda in all mm-hmm. of the other movies. And that's all the context we got. And that wasn't satisfying. You no, know, that man. was supposed to be a big sort of question that the prequels were going to answer. And they, they just kind of punted on it. So right. here's your opportunity. And on top of that, you get all these little references in a new hope and maybe even a little bit in, in empire where Vader is alluding to the idea that, you know, Obi-Wan once thought as you did and, oh, I haven't seen him in. And then they, you know, they cut the line. Vader doesn't really say when the last time was that he encountered his former master. And, uh, so you get, they, they, they left it ambiguous enough in a new hope and empire that there very well could have been an attempt on Obi-Wan's part to maybe try and redeem Vader himself. And maybe part of the reason why him and Yoda are so adamant that, you know, Luke has to Mm -hmm. defeat him is maybe he tried and failed and, you know, yeah. I have not felt this presence since the last time I was in, you know, my master or whatever, like there could be a more exciting story there yeah. that they could weave in very organically into the space that was left between the movies. Yep. And if they pull it off, if they've got the right screenwriters that are really dialed in to how that story should unfold to be satisfying for the audience, then oh, we're in for a treat. Right. And we've seen characters communicate with other characters via force hologram you know you never know force if skype. yeah force skype <laughs> a little less choppy though yes um but you know we've seen that happen and so that could be something to where because uh, obi-wan knows anakin arguably more than anyone else in the galaxy mm-hmm. and so when you know that's one of the things that obi-wan when he, he tells yoda like i don't want to go fight him if i go fight him i can't kill him right like i won't do it so you have to go take him out and and that's alluding to he's my brother, he's my friend, and even though he you know slaughtered 
children in their school classroom. Um, <laughs> he is still Anakin. He's still my brother and friend. And, you know, that's something to where did Obi-Wan give up on Anakin when he became Vader? Or did he try to pull him out? Because th- that's one of the things that we're getting from the theme of the Force is that sometimes your your spirit and your soul is kind of ripped in two. Sure. So did he try pulling him back, which is the same thing that Kylo Ren is going through? Sure. And yeah, that would enrich this latest franchise or this latest trilogy as well. There's the line in Empire, Obi-Wan once thought as you, you know, in reference yep. to Luke saying, you know, I can turn you back or no, sorry. It was a yeah. Jedi. It was in Jedi. Yeah, it was a Jedi. Luke turns himself over to the Empire. Um, you get the sense that Vader had been approached. That's that exactly. Obi-Wan had tried to turn him back and find the good in him. And all the things that Luke was saying, Vader knew that he was parroting Obi-Wan, that Obi-Wan yeah. had been the one that was kind of. Uh, stage managing, you know, Luke's yeah. confrontation of him. So you get a sense of that insight on Vader's part. Where did he get that insight? Because it didn't happen right. in the movies, right? Nope. You know, he left not. him for dead on a volcano and, you know, he, he cried about him being his lost brother, but there was no attempt no. to, to turn as, him as back. soon as, right. And you see it as soon as he gets off of Padme's ship, he's already got his robe off. He's ready. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's in dueling position. Only he's a not, Sith deals in absolutes. Right. You know, there was, he understood that he was, uh, I don't know if he understood that he wasn't redeemable at that point, but he understood that in that situation on that day, the only mm-hmm. option to hopefully save the Republic was yeah. to dispatch him. And yeah. it wouldn't be until he had a few years to reflect on his own failings as a teacher and try and figure out if maybe there's a third path here. It's maybe not just mm-hmm. live or die. Maybe, maybe Anakin is still in there, you know, and yeah. can be pulled back. And, uh, if he's, if, if this is the movie that tells that story, that's, that's a story I will, I will pay money to see a few times. <laughs> yeah, and, and we get the sense that, you know, just the difference between old Ben and Obi-Wan is that old Ben knows some stuff. Right. Like he, um, he, you know, why do you keep your brother's lightsaber that when it has that much pain <laughs> attached to it, right? Like, why do you keep that for his son? Why do you want to train his son to be a Jedi to confront his father in the end? Like, why are you doing this? And it's because I think that Obi-Wan's have, like, you know, might be grooming him uh, to like, hey, you know. You might be able to do this. Yeah. I wasn't able to, but you might be able to. And why is Uncle Owen intentionally keeping Luke in the dark about yep. who Ben is? And, you know, there's there's so much there that if they take yep. the time to t- take all those little tidbits and find the right answers to them and weave mm-hmm. it into, you know, a six-part little mini series on Disney Plus, I am there. I am totally what, there. What if Obi-Wan tried to uh do whatever happened to Ray to Luke. Like what if Obi-Wan's like trying to like communicate to Vader through Luke, like this is not going to happen. But what if he's like trying to do that? And then he has to swipe his memory because he's like, Oh yeah, you remember that your dad's Vader. (laughs) (laughs) They could go anywhere they want with it. I'm going to put money on. That's not the storyline they're exploring right now, but uh, I, I always love your eagerness to embrace the extreme possibilities of a Star Wars story. I, I mean, the moral of that is that, you know, Lucasfilm, you can email me at starwarstvtalk at gmail.com and, you know, offer me a job. I'll take it. Sure. So uh, I, yeah, I got they, a lot of ideas in here for Star Wars yeah. that you guys, that you guys aren't having. So, I mean, they, they I, need you in the story group. They need, they need, they need some fresh voices for sure. Yeah. Uh, pro- if they do, if anyone ever listens to this, they're probably just like, that guy is crazy. <laughs> there is more and more trickling out that would suggest that the Obi-Wan movie was more than just discussed, but it was potentially going to be the next one after yes. the last Jedi. Um, the fact that they had Ewan McGregor 
potentially mm-hmm. locked in. We don't know contractually, you know, how far along they were, but it seems like they assumed that they had him in place or else they wouldn't oh, yeah. have been doing all this development. So the fact that they were so far down the road with it and the mm-hmm. fact that TV is where Disney wants Star Wars to be right now, it just it's it's too compelling an argument that this is going to yes. happen for me to not get a little excited. I'll still wait for yeah. the announcement and I hope right. it comes to Star Wars celebration cuz that would be That would be co- amazing. Yeah, that'd be a great way to close out the week. But uh Yeah. Yeah, it, I feel like this is going to happen. I really hope it does and it just seems like there's enough little chatter and enough little tidbits mm-hmm. coming out from enough credible outlets that make me think mm-hmm. that where there's smoke there's fire on this one. Yeah. And and here's the other thing actors for the most part are extremely professional and when and they usually if something has not been talked to them about and they're asked about a project that they have not talked about they don't how to play the game yeah and he he tugged on some strings there Mm -hmm. he's just like oh yeah i would love to play it i've I've, I've (laughs) thought about some of the stuff that he's doing on tatooine and like blah 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 i'm like Okay, you yeah, you've talked to someone down there at Lucasfilm. You're teasing us now, Ewan. Um, and he was uh, he was at the solo premiere, right? Yep. So we yeah. know that he's you know he's in in with Lucasfilm. He's mm-hmm. he's part of the family, and yep. we know that time has um, made people even more favorable about his role in the prequels. Like it's one of the few redeeming things that most people can agree on. Like even if you're yeah. split on the movies overall. And, you know, I think the fan base will continue to be for a long time. Right. Everyone seems to agree that, yeah, he was brilliant casting. He did everything he could with it. And he's the character that we wish we got more of. And so, of course. yeah, Lucasfilm, if they're not pursuing it, then I don't know what, what they're thinking over there. Well, but it's so, it seems so obvious at this point that they are. Right. And when you have an actor, the actor locked in like that, like, right. of course, you're going to take it. Yep. Like that, that would be, that would be silly. Um, and so. You know, unless Ewan McGregor's lying and he's like, absolutely, I do not want to play that part ever again. I hate it. No, 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 not doing it. Then, then, you know, we're not going to get it, but I don't think that's the case. The general understanding is that when he dipped his toes into the Fargo Mm -hmm. anthology series, he loved it. Yeah. He got to play two characters on that. Um, just really meaty roles that had a lot of subtlety and he just, it just was a great fit for him. And it just seemed like it wet his appetite. So if they came back to him and said, we're really scared about this movie because, you know, the franchise is, you know, we've, we've got some issues that we're working out, but we love you and we love the story that we're crafting and we love what you did on TV. And we hear that you love what you did on TV. I think we've got a good fit if you want to come on board and we'll just like blow this yeah. thing out and make it the greatest thing ever to hit TV. I, I could, right. I could see him being sold on that pretty darn easy. Well, and when it's something coming from Disney. It's going to pay some money. Sure. Yeah. That helps you're, too. <laughs> you're, you're doing a project that you love and you're probably going to make more money doing yeah, sure. it on a six parter. So it's like one of those things it like, no matter how big this series is, if it's a mini series, like you're not just paying, you're not paying these actors <laughs> like, you know, the big ones. Like, so for, for example, like Mahershala Ali with true detective, he's not getting a television contract. He's getting a million dollar, right. t- you yeah. know, contract he usually gets and more because he's spending more time on it. And so with Ewan McGregor, he's going to get paid more unless it's just a complete passion project is it in no. it for him. And he's just like, I'll take whatever you want me to no. take. At a certain um, point, Bob Iger is going to sit down over dinner with him and say, how big a truck are we going to yep. have to back up to make yep. this happen? And he's going to say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll take cool. that truck, that one full yeah. of money and, I, and I'm good. And he's going to say, that's good. Cause we have enough money to fill that truck for you a couple of times. Course, over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that's, but, but that they is lost not going money to be on the, solo. the issue. <laughs> what? 
I said, but they lost money on Solo. Oh yeah, and and so they're <laughs> done with Star Wars, right? Their their four point seven billion investment, they decided they were just going to scrap all together. They're not going to pursue any more Star Wars because they had no. one one flaw. Yeah, because because Force Awakens and Last Jedi and yeah. Rogue One didn't make them enough money. Yeah, they didn't make enough money for seventy movies from those two. If there's um, one thing that I'm really excited about happening, it's this Obi Wan movie, and uh, it just it. It, it feels like all the pieces are lining up now and he's the right age and uh, yeah, he's as hot as ever. Right. Like it's not like right. it's, it's, I, I don't like to say this cause it's, it's, it's not really nice to the actors in the original trilogy, but when they signed them for the force awakens, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher, they weren't, you know, they didn't have a whole lot of industry heat. If we're being right. honest, you know, they were doing yes. their own thing and they had their own credibility, Carrie Fisher, you know, for her writing mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the other things that she's done and Mark Hamill for voice acting and whatnot, but it's not like Ewan McGregor faded away and there's any question about whether he could embody the part or whether he's still uh, a a great leading man or whether he's bankable. You know, there's no questions about that. He's bankable. The property is bankable. The story's bankable. Everything about it's bankable. (laughs) And, and here's the other thing is like, there's a reason that Warner brothers went to him and said, Hey, do you want to play an iconic DC villain in this this spinoff movie we're doing? Right. Like, you know, and, and I think that uh, with McGregor, like I said, he wants to do it. He's not like, it's not even teasing. <laughs> He's not be like, well, you know, if they did this, this, I'd be interested. He's like, oh yeah, I would definitely yeah. want to do that. I've, I've thought about this in my sleep. Like, oh, what would he be doing on tattooing all this time? Like he wants to do this. Yeah. So I, I like, I don't even think that it's about like asking Bob Iger to have the conversation. I think that conversation's already been. Oh, had. no, it happened year. It happened years ago. <laughs> and at that, at a certain point, it was just a matter of yep. show me the script, you know, like, let's just mm-hmm. make sure that we've got a winner here, but I'm definitely happy to keep the conversation going. And, and I think a, a, a TV uh, miniseries might just be the right yeah. vehicle. And I'm curious to see if McGregor has helped with some of the writing when it when it does come out well i mean you do need to kind of know your character but i i would be willing to bet that it's not so much that he's intent on like owning the character and the dialogue so much as he's just gonna come to play and bring his a game and just bring a lot of enthusiasm to the project and i think that's all you're gonna need because the source material is already compelling Mm -hmm. and it's not like disney and lucasfilm can't line up really great creative people to make the script a winner if they put all their muscle behind it and say, this is the spinoff that we should have been <laughs> working on all along. Like if they, if they recognize that it has legs and they put the resources mm-hmm. behind it, it can be really great. Yeah. And I don't think they're going to have any issues getting the proper team together. I mean, you got, you convinced Ron Howard to come on last minute with a film that was like 70% completed to, sure. you know, <laughs> to do your film with it. So, you know, I, I don't think, uh, the checkbook of old Disney is no. running dry. No, they had a, a really bizarre year last year and they have a really exciting slate yes. that they've mapped out. And uh, I could not be more excited for the potential of Obi-Wan. I can't be more excited for uh, what we know is coming with Mandalorian. There's no speculation there. That's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cassie Nandor. I'm going to watch that, you know, enthusiastically, but we don't know enough about really where they're dialing in on the story with that to know what that's going to shape up to be. But the Mandalorian sounds like it's going to be fantastic. And mm-hmm. they've already proven that they're going to pull out all the stops and get the right people involved in it. So, uh, yeah, great things afoot for Star Wars. Can't wait to see what starts to unfold this year after Celebration and all the announcements mm-hmm. come. And then over the next couple of years when everything actually drops. It's going to be, yeah. going to be a fun time. Yeah, we're, we're under 
what two months now for ce- from celebration. So yeah, we're gonna get. I think we're. I think this is gonna be a big year for Star Wars Celebration. Well, they certainly have a lot they could announce if they're ready, and uh, I think yep. we're gonna get a fair bit of it. And and here's the other thing is don't go in thinking that if celebration they have no announcements for something that that means things are going poorly because that's what they did the last one like oh they didn't show enough of this stuff it means it's going bad it's not what it means it just means that they're not ready to unleash it disney isn't like disney's not a comic-con property Mm -hmm. like justice league needs to release material at comic-con aquaman needs to release material at comic-con marvel needs to release all their material at comic-con and if and if they don't do it at comic-con then there's maybe some concern there Mm -hmm. but star wars they don't need to do that. No. They don't need to just be... Because the people love Star Wars when when the people behind it take their time on it. Mm-hmm. And, you yeah. know, and, and, I, and I think Bob Iger is beyond the point of satisfying every single fanboy out there. Sure. And let's, let's not be so naive as to not recognize that some of the leaks that are coming out are more than likely calculated ways of front loading the announcements that are going to come at celebration and maybe what's not going to come at celebration. They want to make sure that fans know that there's a lot in the work so that even if there isn't an announcement, we've got enough credible rumblings that they're okay to wait. You know, they'll, 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 they don't need that because they know that the announcements that they're getting are going to be great. And that the ones that are in production are everything's humming along and looking good. So there's going to be enough positive stories coming out of there that if we don't hear about absolutely everything, it doesn't mean that anyone's going to get worried because yeah, there's just been a lot of, a lot of nice chatter lately and, and it just bodes well. And, you know, and let's keep in mind the force awakens didn't have a star Wars celebration. Mm, true and and it did not need one yes (laughs) if the if the movies hold up or yeah if the movies hold up everything else will follow so yes so Uh, exciting year exciting year it's a very exciting year Mm. so 2019 it's a good year to be a star wars fan i think so if you enjoyed this episode be sure to subscribe to star wars tv talk wherever you get your podcasts Please leave us a review on iTunes. For every 10, we give away some awesome Star Wars merchandise. And you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars TV Talk and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Star Wars TV Talk. You can also check out our website, www.StarWarsTVTalk.com. And a special thanks to Laid Wogan for this intro and outro music. You can follow him on soundcloud.com slash Wogan. Thanks for listening. And remember, the Force will be with you. Always.